some people love Shakespeare, others not so much. But a Shakespeare adaptation is always a good time. Constellation Theatre at 14th and T is featuring a musical called Desperate Measures. It's based off of Shakespeare's play Measure for Measure, but it's set in the Wild West. A gunslinging nun teams up with a sheriff and a saloon dancer to save her brother. Buy tickets now at constellationtheater.org. The show runs through March 17th. Once again, that's constellationtheater.org. Today on CityCast DC, Ted Lerner, the 97-year-old patriarch of the family that owns the Washington Nationals, died this week. The team has actually been on the market for months, which means it's already a moment of transition for the organization. Who's likely to wind up owning the team, and what does this mean for the city in general? Chelsea Janes of The Washington Post is here to talk to us about it. It's Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. I'm Michael Schaefer, and this is CityCast DC. Chelsea Janes, you're the national baseball reporter for The Washington Post. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So uh, Ted Lerner, the patriarch of the Lerner family, owner of the Nats, passed away on Monday. What kind of legacy does he leave behind? You know, I think by and large, at least when it comes to Nationals fans, he's, he's leaving a positive one. You know, he he got them a title. He got the team up and running here when it when it first came here. And that was no easy feat, the, the condition that that franchise was in when it moved. So I think by and large, that legacy will be a positive one. And I think in the in the D.C. area, you know, that's there are smarter people than me to figure out his influence. But I but I, I certainly think his time with the Nationals uh, helped. I mean, it, it, it made him, you know, someone that that people had a reason to really care about. Back in 2018, Mark Lerner said he would never sell the Nationals. Can you walk us through how we got to this point that it now looks like the family's going to sell? You know, I think a lot has changed over the last five years in large part because, you know, Mark Lerner's father, Ted, the patriarch of the team and the family, he's sort of the one who spearheaded bringing the Nationals here. So they're sort of at a time of transition where the Lerner family has to decide if this is something they want to stay in the family long term. My understanding is that Ted Lerner in particular was someone who wanted to sell, that he thought, you know, this was the time to get out of the baseball business and and sort of go with what they've had. And, you know, I think that family really takes its cues from Ted. And I think the cues that they were getting, especially after the, the money loss in the pandemic year and, and some of the, the debt that they face, you know, I think they just figured maybe this is the time to, to move on. And so... How do the learners work now uh, without their patriarch, especially when it comes to their ownership of the Nets? It's a great question. I think they are probably trying to figure that out as we speak. You know, that they were a family where, yes, they have adult children who are involved in the franchise, but I think those children were very deferential to Ted Lerner. You know, he was the the kind of the influence behind all the big decisions of, of buying the team, of, of the biggest moves of, and I think of, of putting the team up for sale in the first place from what we've heard. So it'll be interesting to see what happens now. In the short term, obviously his son Mark will sort of ascend and he's been kind of involved in the public facing stuff for a long time. So that, that won't feel new, but we, we don't know whether there's, you know, some kind of, you know, documentation of, of Ted's wishes that they'll have to adhere to if, if they're on their own and might decide, hey, we don't actually want to sell. We really don't know yet. And I think all of those things are on the table and, and potentially are on the table for the Lerner family right now as well. 
Right, just for some context, who are the learners? Like, how'd they wind up owning the team? What's their deal? So they're real estate moguls. Um, Ted Lerner and his family, as I understand it, sort of founded, created, built up Tyson's Corner and many other mall areas in the D.C. area. They own a lot of buildings, some near Nats Park, some all over the place in D.C. Their claim to fame, I think, is largely Tyson's, but you know they've got stuff everywhere. And that side of their business is still very much intact, separate from the baseball side. And so that is something that they'll have if they sell the team, you know, either way. And has their ownership been considered like good, you know, on the, on the spectrum of like Dan Snyder on one end and, and I don't know who on the other, like where do they sit? I think they're in the middle. You know, I think that they will be regarded more highly perhaps in hindsight than they, they would be if you polled Nationals fans right now. But for the most part, they spent, they built the Nationals from a, basically an expansion team. They came from Montreal and and had really nothing sort of going for the franchise at that time. Built them up into an annual contender. They spent money on that team. They had payrolls well over $100 million. I think maybe more than one year were in the top five in baseball and payroll. That's hard to argue with. Not everyone does that. And, and they're not in a market that you look at and say is destined to be top five in baseball. They're, their revenues are not commensurate with that. So they spent money, they tried to win, and you know eventually they did. And I think there are people who wish they'd spent more at times. There are people who wish they had shelled out infinite sums of money to keep stars like Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, Trey Turner around. So it's going to be a mixed bag when you talk to people about them. But I think overall, they've been good stewards for the franchise, and there's nothing that can take away that title, which is apparently what Ted Lerner really wanted. Right. I grew up here in the 80s. We were all Orioles fans and, and the conventional wisdom where a lot of people would say like, well, Washington is not a baseball town. There's just no way a team will succeed. And if nothing else, they seem to have succeeded on that to, to at least that level. Absolutely. I, you know, I think that there's now, I mean, more than one generation that's grown up with a baseball team here. You move, used to see just the Zimmerman t-shirts around and, and then it became the Bryce Harper and the Trey Turners. And you sort of have generations of stars now that kids can kind of align themselves with. It's been hard, I think, recently because the team has traded away all its stars and really pared down payroll. It's not the golden era of Nationals baseball right now by any means, but that's not because D.C. can't support the team. I think the D.C. is very eager for them to get back on their feet, and they certainly have disproven any notions that this place doesn't have the interest in baseball. The brand new Arbor at Tacoma is built for your most convenient urban living. Whether you want to enjoy the vibrant Tacoma, D.C. community or comfortably retreat into a sleek sanctuary all your own. The kitchens have striking dark navy and white cabinets, and throughout the home, there are wood floors and smart home technology. Some homes even have a private outdoor space. With a quick walk to the metro, you can easily head into downtown or stay close and enjoy the retail that's on-site. Located at 218 Cedar Street Northwest, the Arbor Tacoma offers brand new one and two bedroom condos starting in the upper 300,000s. Visit thearborattacoma.com for more information. That's Tacoma with a K. So T-H-E-A-R-B-O-R-A-T-T-A-K-O-M-A.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
And so here we are, and they're looking for the exits. Who has considered buying the team? There were like 28 groups interested at some point. There have been a lot of people that have come through. It's a really interesting process in that every time a bidder is interested, they have to sign non-disclosure agreements simply to get in the door and look at the finances. And, and that makes sense, but it makes it hard to tell who is actually interested, you know, unless somebody outside of those non-disclosure agreements tells us it's hard to piece together. But there were um, people like Michael B. Kim, who's a Korean billionaire, made his money initially at Carlisle and, and then branched off. There was a, a mortgage mogul named Stanley Middleman who also came through. There are groups that we have not yet identified that came through and looked at the finances and signed that non-disclosure agreement and, and got that far in the process. But as far as we know, no one has bid. And the quirk about the process is the learners don't say, hey, we want this much money. Who's going to give it to us? People look at the finances and they bid. Mm -hmm. And if the learners don't get the money they want, they don't have to sell. So we don't know who got serious enough to even consider a bid. We have not heard that there ever was one even. But at least a handful of groups were serious enough to sign those NDAs. And the one person that continues to seem serious enough is Ted Leonsis, who owns the Wizards and the Washington Capitals and the Mystics. He continues to be very interested. He's somebody that has wanted to create sort of a sports media empire in D.C. for years. And I think he senses this might be his best opportunity. So would he be a good fit for the team? What's the consensus on that? I don't think anyone really knows. I think it's hard to tell exactly how much, frankly, money he has at his disposal, you know, how much money he would have after adding another team to his portfolio. I think people who watch the Capitals regularly would say that he's been a fine owner. They've won during his tenure. I think people who watch the Wizards would say he's been <laughs> lackluster and that they should have done better. But the things we know about him, he's not somebody who changes things just to change them. He's generally fairly patient. And the thing about Ted Leonsis and the Nationals is that he he knows the Lerner family really well. That's probably a situation where you know, if Mark Lerner wanted to continue being involved in the team, continue to have a stake, they'd probably let him keep it. So that's a comfortable fit in many ways. And and he knows the city. And I think particularly with the Nationals and, and sort of the fan base they've built here, you want somebody who understands why they matter, who understands the history, who understands the D.C. market. And, you know, I don't know, Ted Leonsis seems like somebody who fits that bill. So one of the other names that got bandied about for a while was David Rubenstein, who's another D.C billionaire and quite a well-known figure around town. Is he still in the mix? And what do you understand about that? He, you know, at, at first and as recently as December, I think, was somebody that seemed to be on a path toward partnering with Ted Leonsis, toward being a part of a group that would have been spearheaded by Leonsis and Rubenstein chips in. And, and that's how that goes. We recently have heard that there's no arrangement close there. It's certainly not a done deal that that would be the format of any group. But as far as we know, he still wants to be involved. And he was in talks with Leonsis. And they seem to have some understanding of, of who could give what in a group like that. So we'll see if that happens. But our understanding at this time is that the plan has been for if Leonsis buys that team, you'll probably see Rubenstein involved as well. So DC's got two kind of celebrity sports owners, right? I don't think most people, if like they bumped into one of the learners on the street, they might not even recognize them. But Ted Leonsis is a famous guy and Dan Snyder is a famous guy. And the one is beloved. Everyone who's met him says, oh, you know, I met, he gave me his email address. It's like that sort of interaction. And the other one is widely scorned. What's the difference? Why is that? 
you know, I think Dan Snyder, number one, has run what was kind of a treasured franchise, not only in Washington, but for the NFL, sort of into the ground. It hasn't put money into the stadium, hasn't built winning teams. And then there's obviously a lot of extracurricular things happening there with, you know, racism, you know, sexual harassment allegations in the organization, just general dysfunction that he has overseen and and not stopped. And I think people are sort of sick of seeing that, especially in a town where, you know, accountability is sort of a big deal here. And I think, you know, he's someone who hasn't been accountable to anyone. So I think it's I think it's twofold. I think if he were a terrible guy and that team was really good, it would be a little more tolerable. But he happens to be a terrible guy who has run that franchise into the ground. And, you know, they can't fill their stadium. They haven't had a legitimate chance at, at winning in the postseason in a very long time. And he's just not a good faith operator. I think Ted Leonsis is, has proven that he, he cares about the city. And it's sort of easy to believe that he is trying to do what is best for the organization and the people who care about it. Yeah, one of our guests in a previous episode said winning is the ultimate disinfectant. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> but we never had a chance with Snyder to test that notion. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we will. Wait, has there been any like wacky pop culture celebrity appendage to any of these ownership groups the way there has been in some of the commander's talk? Does no, Matthew McConaughey? No. I wonder if that says more about baseball than anything else. I think it does. Yep. <laughs> Spring training is around the corner. How does the the kind of limbo, the looking for a new owner thing, actually affect the team day to day or month to month in their either in their operations on the field or off the field, for that matter? It's a great question. I, you know, we've seen them really slash the payroll from I guess twenty twenty one to this year. They they didn't spend a lot this winter, but part of that is the cycle that the team is in. They're relying on a lot of young players. They need to see what they can do. But I think part of it is the Lerner family both showing you that they felt like they took some financial hits in the pandemic year and, and after, not being willing to spend as much as they were before. But also it's part of that uncertainty. It's it's do you want to spend a ton of money and saddle a new owner with contracts that that owner did not agree to pay? And they probably don't. And the Nationals also have, and I think this is fairly common from what I understand, but they have some debt on the books from contracts they owe to Max Scherzer. You know, they owe money to Steven Strasburg, to Scherzer, to a few players for years to come. And it adds up quickly. So anyone who's buying the team is going to inherit that, presumably. And the, the learners don't want to increase that anymore and, and make the team more unattractive in that way. So you're seeing them spend less, for sure. And it also puts the people running the team in a very awkward position. Mike Rizzo has been the GM since, I think, 2010 or before, but his contract expires after this year because how can you sign up to work for owners that may not be here? And how, as owners, can you sign someone up to work long-term when you don't know you'll be here? Right. So it just puts everyone in limbo, and I, and I know that it, it just makes everyone in that front office wonder wonder how long they'll be there, and, and that's not a comfortable way to operate for anyone. Wait, I don't know if you've done reporting on any of this, but do you have a sense of like when the fans are playing like fantasy owner in their own heads, who do they want to have on the team? I mean, I think that you, the fans would want anyone who's going to spend like Steve Cohen is up in New York, billionaire who just is wants to win at all costs and was a big fan as a kid. I don't know who that is. I don't, you know, I think, you know, perfect world, somebody like Jeff Bezos, who's got seemingly endless resources is ideal, but He's not going to buy the Washington Nationals. It's a different kind of market. You're probably not going to attract that kind of person. But I think ideal world, world you want a baseball-obsessed billionaire. Uh, and I mean, it's funny because Steve Cohen pretty much is that, you know, up the way there. And it, it makes everybody else sort of think that that's a template that they can reasonably expect to find in every owner. And it's just not. 
That's nice. We, all of us want that in a boss too. Yeah, no um, doubt. Um, wait, who do you fantasize about for owner? Do you, do you have a do you have Myself? like a secret dream? Uh, that would... <laughs> no, I I don't know. I someone who doesn't cause controversy and and spends and helps them win. I think would be best for me. Fewer stories, all baseball, good baseball, you know that kind of thing. It's a, a very selfish fantasy there. Wait, so you don't want some jerk who's gonna like run the thing into the ground and you can like dig up dirt and investigate all the skullduggery? And maybe I should, but I, <laughs> I've watched what we've had to handle with Dan Snyder for years, and people age on that beat. They really do. <laughs> Chelsea James, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with us. Thanks for having me. And before you go, some quick news. D.C. leaders have just cut the ribbon on a new 100-unit apartment building near RFK Stadium. It's called the Ethel. The building combines a place to stay with on-site case management and job training. The city says it will, quote, help residents transition out of homelessness, unquote. The opening comes right as D.C. prepares to clear the huge McPherson Square tent encampment later today. Meanwhile, nurses at George Washington University Hospital are trying to unionize. Like healthcare workers across the country, they've been crunched since the pandemic, with the workload compounded by a staff exodus. GW is one of three D.C. hospitals where nurses are not yet organized. The others are Sibley Hospital and Georgetown University Hospital. Also, a zoo in Northern Virginia is reopening this Friday with a massive light show representing wildlife migrations around the world. The 30-acre zoo was previously called Roar's Zufari, and it's reopening now as a nonprofit zoo. It's going to be called Nova Wild. It'll be open from Thursday to Sunday every week, and yes, it will still have a drive-through safari component. And lastly, your DC life hack of the day, courtesy of our guest, Chelsea Janes. If you are driving to Nats Park, people, you do not need to use stadium parking. You can park on the hill and you can walk. It's not very far. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, share it with a friend, maybe one who's excited about spring training and baseball season. Also, subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. I would love it if it was Rubens and we could have like lectures about presidents before games and stuff like that. It would be awesome. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs>